It can be really hard for us to relax at night. We're always thinking about covering crime. But the good news is our wonderful new sponsor, Via, has a terrific product that helps us unwind. Via Hemp has a wide range of terrific gummies of both the THC and THC-free varieties. They can help you with focus, recovery, sleep, creativity, or just plain enjoyment. These products legally ship to all 50 states. I really liked Zen in particular. This is a yummy blueberry option that lets you catch a chill sleep with help from CBN and CBD. It's really helped me turn off my brain and settle down for the night. I also got a shout out Flow State. It helped me feel energized throughout the day. Like not to brag, but I got a lot done. I'm talking about doing several interviews and editing a whole show from start to finish, not to mention jumping on some of the latest filings in the cases we cover. It really made me feel sharp and ready to tackle any challenge. I couldn't recommend this more. Via has so many great gummy options to choose from. Everything from guava berry low dose that allows you to microdose THC to the chill-inducing Delta 9 gummy dreams. Head to viahemp.com and use code MSHEET to receive 15% off and one free sample of their award-winning gummies. That's viahemp.com and use code MSHEET at checkout. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Enhance your every day with Via Hemp. Again, if you're 21 and over, you can get 15% off plus a free pack of award-winning gummies with our exclusive code, msheet at viahemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P dot com. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Content warning. Today's episode contains discussion of the murder of two young girls. Yeah. We, we just wanted to ask you, like, just what does this day mean for you, I guess, personally? I, I, I'm still a little bit confused as to what it all means, quite frankly. Again, I thought it would be a, I thought we would all be in a solitary place, but nobody is. Um, but it's, it's all about our partnerships, right? Right. And uh, I'm really proud of that. I'm really, I'm really, really proud of that. Well, we really appreciate, so, you know. We're going to continue yeah. to move. Now we're very, in a very objective place. Yeah, we're going to to continue to move that way. Absolutely. But you guys, I appreciate you standing behind your words. I really do. We appreciate that. And thank you so much. Yeah. All right. Can we use these comments? Absolutely. Okay, Okay. thank you. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Have a good one. You just heard from Superintendent Doug Carter, who we had uh, just a moment to speak with today at the press conference. 
And we are, right after we left the press conference, we rushed over to the Delphi Library. So we're going to do very much what we did last Friday, where we're just going to very quickly, in a raw, unedited way, give you our impressions and our analysis of what happened today. We're the Murder Sheet, and this is... The Delphi Murders. The Richard Allen Press Conference. So today was a huge day in the Delphi case. There's no understating that. Um, You have uh, basically law enforcement calling together a press conference, the media sort of rushing over to to Delphi and covering it, and you have some announcements. And I think Kevin and I going into this day sort of assumed that there would probably be a lot of questions that we would want answered at the end of the day that wouldn't necessarily be answered immediately. And I think that – was borne out, but we are now going to sort of just talk about everything we saw, everything that happened, and what we can make of this press conference that we both attended today. Uh, there's several things that I think are worth noting right at the very beginning. First of all, we did not get as much information as we wanted. We didn't get anywhere near as much information as we would all like. We did get one key piece of information, and that is just confirmation that Richard M. Allen, a 50-year-old Delphi resident, has been arrested for the murders of Abby and Libby. So we have that confirmed at this point. They were very clear about that point. What we don't know is we don't know what evidence they have against him. They're keeping the probable cause affidavit under seal for the moment and we know he's charged with murder but that charge in and of itself doesn't does not necessarily tell us a lot about the police theory of the crime and before we get into that i think it's also worth noting that generally speaking when police announce an arrest in a case especially a murder case it generally means that the police work is over. They've got their man. The investigation is done. They made it very clear today that that was not the case. Yeah, that's highly unusual. If if you have um, an investigation where the only thing left to do is take it to trial, you do not have law enforcement continuing to solicit tips for the Abby and Libby tip line and kind of noting that, you know, very explicitly stating this is not over, you know. If you go back and listen to the transcripts of the conversation, we recorded it ourselves, but our audio is going to be much worse than we're sure you could find on YouTube. So we suggest if you go there, people were sitting multiple times. It's not over. It's not over. It's not over. This is an active investigation. The investigation continues to want to hear from the public with actionable tips. And so to us, that seemed a very highly significant thing to indicate that, um, things are unresolved and we could speculate as to what that could mean. But I think just to, just to start off, let's just note that that is interesting and, and highly unusual. I think given that you think an arrest is sort of the culmination of we, we figured out what happened or at least most of what happened. We got the guy and now we're going to charge him. Um, This is sort of, this is sort of a, not the case here necessarily. They're still looking for evidence. They're still looking for tips. So uh, a lot of people at the press conference were speculating fairly, I would say, 
that this might suggest that there are other people who were involved in this. Or at the very least that investigators want to at least look into that possibility very strongly and either confirm or disprove it. Uh, We have uh, a veteran law enforcement friend who uh, listens to this program, so I won't name him to protect his privacy, but he often says that the only way a person is cleared of a crime is when someone else is arrested for that crime and convicted of that crime. Mm -hmm. So someone was arrested today, but at different times in the press conference, uh, reporters asked do you have any comments on other leads you're following? Do you have any comments on the Klein lead and such? And they declined to comment, mm-hmm. making it uh, suggesting to some that maybe this arrest is not the end. Maybe it doesn't mean that other persons of interest have been cleared. Yeah. And I think we won't know more about that until. I guess the trial, <laughs> I mean, because they will, <clears throat> excuse me, they will have to sketch out their idea, the prosecution's narrative about what happened to Abby and Libby in order to make a case to a jury and convict this guy. So, I mean, they're going to have to address, do they think he acted alone or do they, do they think he was a participant in something that led to a murder? Where does he fit into the puzzle? Is, is this a, is this a solo killer or is this a man acting in concert with others in a homicide? I imagine a lot of those answers would be found within the probable cause affidavit, or at least the beginnings of some of those answers would be found yeah. in that affidavit. Because why else would it be sealed? Yes. They basically indicated strongly that we really feel like this problem. We know the media is mad at us about it, but we feel the probable cause affidavit must be sealed to protect the integrity of the ongoing investigation. So that tells us that whatever is in that probable cause affidavit might be seen as something sensitive, that if there are more people involved in this, if they see that, it gives the game away. I don't know. Or or perhaps it's just would point too much to one scenario happening over the others in a way that would, you know, the prosecution's not ready to necessarily bring charges against everybody or other actors. I can't. I can't imagine that this would be and that that the conference would have taken this tone and that this would be the result of it unless they were very much running down other leads and like trying to figure out where where everything fits in, I guess, is what I would say. And that doesn't necessarily mean that other people are going to be charged. I mean, we have to we have to leave room for the possibility that this man acted alone and this is it. They, they caught the guy and they're going to bring him to trial and we'll see what happens with a jury or, 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 you know, a bench trial or whatever. But if you, if you read between the lines here, I think you're very much seeing that they're looking at, they're trying to lock everything down. I think that's my interpretation. I mean, we're not hearing this from sources at this point. It's not, we're not, we're speaking from what we saw at the press conference today. We're not speaking from, you know, source X told us why, you know, so it's interesting, though. I think it's also worthwhile for us to try to understand exactly what Richard Allen has been charged with. We know he's charged with two counts of murder, murder of Abby, murder of Libby. What we don't know is what exactly that means he 
did. Does it mean he acted alone and was personally the monster who took the lives of these two precious young girls? Or does it mean that perhaps that's not the case, that he was just somehow involved? We don't know. Hopefully we would get that information when some of this material is unsealed. I think it would be worthwhile to take a moment to read through the murder statute here in Indiana so we can see what exactly he could have done that would be defined legally as murder. Do you have the murder statute called up? So the 2017 Indiana Code Title 35 Criminal Law and Procedure Article 42 Offenses Against the Person Chapter 1 Homicide 3542-11 Murder. So Section 1, a person... Murder is defined as a person who, one, knowingly or intentionally kills another human being. So pretty that, that's, classic. Yeah. That's pretty clear. Yeah. If you uh, know. If, I, if, I, if I'm going to Kevin and I want to kill him and I kill him, I'm a murderer. So if she takes my life knowingly with whatever weapon, she has committed murder. So that is certainly on the list of possibilities for things Mr. Allen might have done. He literally might have been the person who personally took the lives of these children. And that would point to the most clear-cut scenario of what happened to the girls. It would be, this might be just a person acting alone for whatever horrible motive they have, going and unilaterally doing this to these kids and walking away, essentially. You don't necessarily need more people to, to do that, and it's it's more straightforward. Or there could be other people involved, but this is the principal actor, potentially, if this is the person who is going to do it. And so this may be what the police and prosecutors believe happened. But it doesn't have to be. Why don't you read part two? Part two kills another human being while committing or attempting to commit arson, burglary, child molesting, consumer, consumer product tampering, criminal deviant conduct— under IC 3540-242 before its repeal, kidnapping, rape, robbery, human trafficking, promotion of human trafficking, sexual trafficking of a minor, or carjacking before its repeal. So here's where we get a little more complicated. This is what's basically known as the felony murder rule. What's felony murder? What's the difference between felony murder and just regular murder? You can be guilty of felony murder if you did not personally take someone's life. It suggests that if you are a willing participant in certain felonies that are so dangerous or egregious, and that then during the commission of one of these felonies, either you or someone you are working with commits a murder, then you are guilty of that murder even if you didn't personally take the so, life. So let's use an example again with me and Kevin. So let's say that me and one of my gal pals decides to rob a bank and Kevin's in the bank. I'm the getaway driver. I'm just sitting in the car ready to race away once my friend gets into the car. Let's say my friend goes in the bank. Kevin give her, gives her some guff about her life choices and then she shoots him and kills him. And then she gets in the car and drives away. I haven't pulled the trigger. I wasn't even there I've participated in this bank robbery knowingly, though, and therefore, since the bank robbery led to a murder, I could be hit with a felony murder charge, even though I was less directly involved than my accomplice. Yes. 
And so if this was the part of the code they charged him under, he could be found guilty of the murders if he was just going out with someone else to commit child molesting or any of these other offenses listed, such as kidnapping. If he went out to kidnap or molest a child with a friend and this friend or colleague of his actually committed the murder, he would be just as guilty of it. Yes, and that would point to something a bit more nefarious, a bit more uh, possibly with more people being involved. Of course, you also could have a solo person with the intent to kidnap or molest uh, getting hit with the felony murder rule, but tends to be something that can be applied to groups of people. Um, if you want to listen to an old episode of ours, uh, Finding James Redline is all about the felony murder rule. It was a Pennsylvania case. It was so twisty that it actually involved two robbers uh, robbing a restaurant slash um, brothel, and one of them was killed by the police in a standoff, and the other one was charged with felony murder for his accomplice death. I mean, he, they didn't kill any innocent people in this. There were no victims who were killed. Uh, no policemen were killed either, but they charged him with the murder of his accomplice because uh, they were, you know, they're trying to get him basically. So felony murder rule, that was certainly a creative application of the, the rule. But in, in this case, it, it could be indicative of there being other motives in play in the crime and could be indicative of possible accomplices or people, uh, you know, co-conspirators essentially. And if that is the section that he was charged under, that might explain why the investigation is still open. Uh, so section three also just gets into kills another human being while committing or attempting to commit a dealing in or manufacturing cocaine or a narcotic drug. I see 35, B dealing in methamphetamine. I see 35, C manufacturing methamphetamine. I see 35, D dealing in a schedule one, two, three, or th- I'm sorry, D, dealing in a Schedule 1, 2, or 3 controlled substance, IC 354842, E, dealing in a Schedule 4 controlled substance, IC 354843, or F, dealing in a Schedule 5 controlled substance. So basically, Section 3 is just listing other crimes that if you commit one of these crimes and someone dies during the course of it, you're also guilty of murder. Uh, And then section four is you also, if you knowingly or intentionally kill a fetus that is attained viability, you commit murder or felony. So that one clearly doesn't apply here. So I would be interested in knowing which one of these sections do the prosecutors believe best describes the offenses of Alan. Yeah, I would be very curious. And we're not going to know anything until... A little bit while longer, it sounds like. So one thing that I think you will notice about Doug Carter and the Indiana State Police under his leadership is they're always very good about giving credit to other agencies that they've worked with and who have helped them. And today they were joined on the stage by a representative of the Carroll County Sheriff's Department. 
and the work of the Carroll County Sheriff's Department was praised. They were also joined on stage by some representatives of the U.S. Marshals, and the work of one marshal in particular, Jeremy Clinton, was praised. So I think we just figured out who Deputy Clinton was when they were uh, when from back in August of 2020 when uh, detectives Vito and Deputy Clinton were interviewing Kagan Klein. So when we heard that, we both looked at each other because we haven't we had not that was one thing we had not figured out. You know, you're able to look up things, and unfortunately, Clinton is also the name of a county in Indiana. So when you're looking up Deputy Clinton, it becomes very difficult. Maybe other people figured this out, but we were not made aware of it. <laughs> and, and it's also interesting to note this because the U.S. Marshal was helping with that particular angle of the investigation. If Jeremy Clinton was the man in the room with Kagan Klein and Detective Vito leading the interrogation, we can assume that he's he's been helping out with that angle of the investigation. And, in fact, the U.S. Marshals are generally known for being very good for helping with uh, investigations involving uh, electronic devices. Yeah. you When you think of U.S. Marshals, you think of fugitive apprehension. That's, that's what they're known for. That's certainly the thing they're most famous for. But we're hearing from credible sources who are in the know that uh, they also have that secondary ability to really delve into electronics. And that makes so much sense when you're looking at the Klein transcript because it's all about Here's what this cell phone said. Here's what this cell phone said. Here's what your app said. And, you know, bombarding him with all of this information about the child sexual abuse materials he had on his devices. So the fact that these people are still involved, we tend to think that that is indicative of something, uh, that, that uh, technology is playing an important role in the investigation and continues to. And, not necessarily the idea that, uh, you know, we think that the U.S. Marshal's presence, it does not necessarily indicate that somebody's on the run. It may more of indicate that the technology angle is very important. So we were we were excited to finally get a sense of who um, the mysterious Deputy Clinton was. But it only took us several months, right? <laughs> and having to go to a press conference. A weight loss journey can feel like a lonely struggle. But it doesn't have to be. For so many of us, lifestyle changes like deciding to lose weight, adopting a nutritious diet, and taking up fun exercises are all about putting our own health and wellness first. But it can be really hard to know where to begin or how to keep the weight off once we've seen some progress. Quick fixes like soup diets and juice cleanses are unsustainable. There's a much better way to embark on this journey that over 200,000 people have already chosen. We're talking about the Roe Body Program. Here's how it works. Roe gives you access to one of the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Their Roe Body Program then sets up a comprehensive weight loss program tailored to your specific lifestyle, health status, and goals. In addition to the weekly shot, you get one-on-one coaching with a registered nurse. That can help you adopt and stick with lifestyle changes like exercise routines and nutritious diets. It's a comprehensive program that sees participants lose 15 to 20% of their weight in a year on average. But the real benefit is that you keep that weight off. 
This is weight loss at its most sustainable. With Roe, the average weight loss is 15 to 20% of your weight in one year, in conjunction with healthy lifestyle changes. EMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roe.co slash msheet. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. Go to roe.co slash msheet. That's R-O dot C-O slash msheet. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Uh, Why don't you talk a little bit about our day? I'll begin by saying uh, neither one of us has attended an event of this magnitude before. We didn't know what to expect. Kevin has attended a Burger Chef Murders press conference, and I have attended other press conferences uh, in my work as a business reporter. But... Nothing as large as this. We knew from our contacts in the media that national media was coming in. Obviously, local media was going to be on the ground, you know, re, you know regional players, uh, and that there was going to be a lot of interest here because this is a case people deeply care about. And we think that is great because Abby and Libby deserve justice. Their families deserve justice. And uh, Doug Carter in the presser basically gave a lot of credit to uh, media outlets for keeping the story alive and kind of keeping – uh, keeping their memories alive and, and sort of really kind of looking at who, who could have done this essentially. So uh, what we saw, well, I guess I'll start from the beginning. We'll just, I mean, if, if hopefully people find this interesting, um, you know, this is kind of what today looked like from the perspective of um, ourselves, obviously it's going to be different for any sort of outlet covering this based on what their medium is and, and sort of what they're hoping to get from their coverage we woke up very, very early at like 4.30. We also didn't sleep much last night because we were um, really, uh, it's just a lot of emotions going through, uh, you know, knowing that something very big is going to happen in the morning with the, with a case that we care deeply about and have put in a lot of time towards looking into and not really knowing what to, to suspect, you know, like, is it going to be a mosh pit? Is it going to be, you know, very formal? We, we don't know. So we, drove up here our gps took us on a wild route through local roads for some reason and i was driving so that was fun <laughs> not a lot of light lots of uh narrow country roads past cornfields uh it was raining it's kind of chilly out very fall weather and it was continuing to rain as we pulled up in well, the first place we went to is we were oh, yeah. hungry yeah, and we wanted to get a bite to eat. We actually arrived in Delphi for this 10 a.m. press conference. We arrived a little after 6 a.m. And at that time, if you are hungry and want a quick and simple breakfast, 
not really a lot of choices. And so we went to McDonald's. And as it happened, as we were pulling into the McDonald's, we realized that this McDonald's was right next to the CVS where uh, Richard Allen worked. Yeah, so that was a weird and creepy feeling. Um, we got to the United Methodist Church where this was held. It's kind of a community center as well as a church. We were pretty early. I think it was around like 6, 6.30. 6.30. And we uh, we were not first, though. There were a lot of TV crews already set up with tents, lights, uh, having having their um, reporters sort of talk live to their audiences and, and broadcast what was going on. So we kind of... Uh, because we're an audio medium and, uh, you know, we're just kind of there to observe for the most part because we don't, you know, we didn't plan on running a whole recording of, of the whole thing. We um, wandered around and then a- awkwardly sat on a bench in front of the church at the, at the doors. <laughs> and There are two very nice local men there who were affiliated with the church. They were letting people inside the building just use the restroom and then yeah. come right back out. And no one was admitted into the building until State 8 police showed up. So we see a bunch of troopers arrive in their uniforms. They're holding ISP signs to sort of set up on the stage. Uh, they have, you know, boxes or not, not boxes, like cases. I'm not sure. I guess that was probably like audio equipment or something. And uh, they start trickling in at some point. Then... The press is admitted. The press is admitted first. Um, I was, I guess, a little hyper and amped, so I, I think I was the first one through the door. I think you were. <laughs> not to brag. It doesn't matter because, uh, you know, it, it, it's not a race, but I, I think I was just feeling really um, anxious, frankly, and I just wanted to kind of get in there and get our seats because we just – it's just it's it's a you know it's a big emotional build up to something like this to be frank i mean we try to be we try to bring you the news in a relatively objective style we don't want to be sensationalist and you know we want to be able to convey our emotions honestly without you know relying entirely on that about how we feel because we don't think what we feel matters that much compared to what we know and what we are able to prove um and what we are able to report to you responsibly but it is emotional because, I mean, you just, you know, I don't know. It just, I I felt, I felt like a deep sense of sadness. Just, you know, once, uh, basically we're sitting around a while and then they put Abby and Libby's pictures up on the screen above the stage. And I, I just felt, you know, all of this is happening and you're trying to do your job. You're trying to report the news. And at the heart of it is this really senseless, horrible tragedy that has negatively impacted so many people, these families, this community, and it just, it, you just feel angry and sad, I guess, is how I would, I'm not, I'm not being very eloquent right now, I apologize, but it just, it was a lot of feelings. And other than that, sort of filing in, we sat in the middle, the front row, the uh, left side of the, the, the kind of chairs on one side were reserved for the family. Uh, so media was sort of set, set up front and then public uh, members of the public were admitted through in the back so they could participate too and, and be there. Um, we were in the front row, but it didn't matter because uh, all the camera crews set up in front of us and we didn't care because it's a, we're, a, as we said to people, we're an audio medium. <laughs> we don't need to get pictures. So that's, that's their job. So they obviously get that, that space, but um, we were able to talk to 
um, a number of reporters who we've met and and sort of have corresponded with. We were able to talk to some YouTubers who we met and have corresponded with. So it was nice to see people there and see some familiar faces. But everyone's very much, you know, business professional. Let's cover this. We all know why we're there. Everyone knows why they're there. It's not to socialize. It's definitely to to kind of get to work. And everyone's sort of trading, you know, hey, do, what do we think is going to happen? Are they going to say much? Is it going to be kind of close to the vest? And I think most people we talked to were predicting more of a close to the vest uh, situation. And that's what ended up happening. So I guess we were right. But um, <clears throat> um there were, you know, a couple of hours then. And, um, you know, the family filed the families filed in uh, members of Libby and Abby's families uh, there to kind of, you know, be there, be a part of this. And then uh, basically the presser compromised three speakers. Um, Superintendent of the ISP, Doug Carter was first followed by Carroll County Sheriff Tobe Lesenby. And then the Carroll County prosecutor, whose name is um, Nicholas McClelland. So makes sense. You're having ISP who by all accounts has put a lot of resources into this case. You have Carroll County authorities where this, where this horrible thing happened. So, um, you know, I would say Carter was very, very emotional. He, uh, you know, displayed overt emotion when talking and, complimented the media for partnerships, acknowledged that his, you know, the investigation has gotten criticism for being so close to the vest um, and talked about a lot about how this is not over. So those were some big takeaways from him. Tobe Lesenby was the, had the shortest speech. I think he didn't talk for long, but he kind of, you know, said, said some similar things. I, I, nothing necessarily stood out about what he said compared to anyone else. And then, um, McClelland said, uh, kind of more got into, he was, I almost felt like he was playing the bad guy with the media where he was kind of like, well, I mean, I mean, I think at one point Carter said that people can be mad at him, but I almost feel like the prosecutor was there to be kind of like, there's a reason why we can't release these documents. And there's a reason why we're being so secretive and, uh, we can't answer a lot of questions. So that was interesting. They were not alone on stage. They were joined by people throughout all of these different agencies who have investigated the case extensively. And they all sort of stood in a line behind, um, behind the speakers. And, you know, and they were, they were heavily acknowledged, especially by Carter for their work that they've done on this investigation. And, you know, sort of described as like, this is the Delphi task force. So it was kind of interesting and kind of cool, I guess, in my mind, since we've looked into this so much to finally see here's the, Here's the spread of everybody who, you know, is kind of important in this case. Yeah, Carter's always been very good about sharing credit, not just among uh, officers and troopers with the Indiana State Police, but also with people from other organizations. Did you find it interesting that there was no one from the FBI present? <laughs> I was going to say that. Where's the G-men? Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Uh, people behind the scenes have told us that the FBI has not played a significant role in this investigation for quite some time. And if you've listened to some of our episodes on uh, things that the FBI did in this case, perhaps you can understand why that is. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, the, what, what's the I mean, I guess the jurisdiction would be if if some of the 
if if there are electronics involved that could be crossing state lines and if there are um you know but it means all happening within indiana right now i think i believe i'm going to i believe that there is some sort of practice at the fbi that if if you're if it's the murder of a child they can come in on the invitation of of local authorities um but yeah, I thought it, I thought their absence was notable, <laughs> frankly. Uh, but you know, I don't think they've been that involved for a long time. I mean, that's just what I'm going to say. And and people, I think, tend to throw them around because they were involved in the beginning. But uh, that doesn't necessarily mean being involved in the beginning of the case is not the same thing as being involved five years in. That is true. And that's probably about all we can uh, yeah. say without going too far. Yeah, that, yeah, that'll do it. Um, I think it's really interesting. It's a really interesting point in the case because you have you have an investigation. I'm not going to like refer to any agency in particular. I'm just talking about the investigation. This task force. They are confident enough to go out, stand on the stage, and get some kind of you know, pat on the back, essentially. But they're not confident enough to be like, we can all stop looking now. So it's like a big move forward, but it's not over. And that's the kind of sense. I mean, Carter himself was saying, we can't celebrate. And in fairness, it would be hard to celebrate too much no matter what, because nothing brings Libby and Abby back and nothing untraumatizes their families, the community of Delphi, Frankly, the people around the world who've cared so much about this case, it's it's a horrible thing to think about, frankly. Um but but they are they are coming forward and saying we did arrest a guy and <laughs> I mean, so it's it's something. Yes, and this is a momentous day. It is not the final chapter. There are other chapters left to be written in this tragic case, but it is a momentous day. Like uh, Churchill said, it's the end of the beginning. Yeah. I have, I have, I felt a lot of sadness seeing the girls' photos. I don't, it just hit me really hard today, but I also felt hope and it was, it was nice to sort of see the families there. It was nice to see some other people there who, who who we were able to talk to. So many people have cared so much about this case. And some some items of note, they mentioned that on January 13th, 2023, at 9 a.m., there'll be a preliminary hearing in Allen's case. That's going to be a very important day if that, if that sticks on the calendar. And the trial is set for March 20th at 9 a.m. So if things move quickly, then we could be – Seeing things in 2023, I mean, as an attorney, how likely do you think that is that they'll stick to that? It's it's very unlikely. (laughs) Yeah, that was my feeling too. I was like, yeah, if we're lucky. And then other than that, um, you know, we will continue to be reporting on this case going forward. But you can rest assured with a trial on the horizon and with a lot of things unknown, we, we have always treaded cautiously in this case, I think. People think that we get a lot of scoops, so we just run everything and, you know, damn the torpedoes. But 
we can tell you that our habit of keeping some things back because it could be damaging will continue and that we will strive to be even more careful and even more cautious as we continue to report this out because we do not want to do anything to harm the investigation as it is continuing to be ongoing. So I'm saying that if we're running something on Delphi, you can rest assured that it's been thoroughly discussed, vetted, and it's not just us running with what, just to run, basically. We don't, we don't do that. I mean, we never have, but I feel like it's important to state that now that a trial is looming. Yes. And I'd like to uh, conclude by noting uh, Superintendent Carter today noticed that he felt a very strong sense of peace today. You mentioned that when you saw the pictures of Abby and Libby, you felt very sad and it got to you. The moment today that got to me, oddly enough, was after the press conference was over. Uh, the Patties, uh, Becky Patty and Mike Patty, were in the back of the auditorium and they were talking about their reactions to this. You know, how does it feel that you're granddaughter this child that you treasured you know was taken from you and now we know someone who is going to be held criminally responsible for that and i can't imagine what that's like but within moments they were surrounded by a throng of reporters sticking cameras and microphones in their face And it was just yet another reminder of what these people have been through over the last five and a half years. And they have handled it all with a quiet sense of dignity. And they've been eloquent and they are remarkable people and they're strong people. And in that moment, my heart just really went out for them. And, uh, yeah. I think that's an, I, I noticed the same thing. I remember you and I were there and I think we kind of looped around and kind of quietly walked out at that point. But I remember thinking, seeing them with these, with these intelligent, well thought out, careful, but factual responses to, to all these media questions. Of course the media are just doing their jobs as well. They're trying to get information out there, but I mean, I can't imagine, I can't imagine it's easy for them to have to go out and, and talk about something so horrible, but that family and and all the all the loved ones of these kids that have gone through this, I just feel are the epitome of grace under fire. I mean, it's really, and yeah, my heart goes out to them too. And we think about all of them a lot. And uh, we just, you know, everyone should just remember that at the center of this case, it's just a horrible, horrible tragedy. And I think interest in it is good. It keeps it alive. It keeps hopefully tips coming in, actionable tips, but. You know, it's it's not. It's a it's it's a tragedy, I guess. I, I that's that's what it boils down to. It's it's tragic that these girls are gone and that nothing will bring them back. But hopefully, there can be justice on some level for for the person who who person or people who did this. All right. Thanks so much for listening, and thanks uh, to the Delphi Library for letting us record here.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.